here we go through into the, the minor prophets once again. We get to this book and we get to what one of those, one of the post-exilic uh, prophets that we look at. One of the ones where they come back from that exile. They had been sitting there and, and had been put into the exile that God had been promised them. And there's a lot of prophets that write uh, pre-exilic. And then there's some while they were in the midst of their exile. But then there are three here that we have, Zechariah, Malachi, and then this one, Haggai, that uh, was writing post-exilic means they were coming back. As a matter of fact, you can study through the book of Nehemiah, through the book of uh, Ezra, and you'll find the same timeline that here that Zechariah and Haggai are writing during as well, and how they are going through this good time that we have. And we find ourselves right in the middle of one, uh, these great minor prophets once again. I remind you, it's not because they're minor as in they are not as important but minor as in the fact that there are not quite as much content that God had given to them. When you look through the book of Haggai, you find 38 simple verses that, that God had written and they, Haggai had written through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. I believe the Old Testament, the New Testament, from Genesis to Revelation, every word is inspired by Holy Spirit of God. I thank God that God breathed it. He gave it to us and He's even preserved it for each and every one of us in this good Bible that we're able to have. And we're so thankful for that being able to read through there. Haggai's moved on. He's proclaiming the word of God to the people about rebuilding the house of God. How that temple had been destroyed when Nebuchadnezzar came through. And he's telling them, now it needs to continue on. Now, to be honest with you, they don't have any excuse not to rebuild this temple. Why? Because Cyrus had made a decree and had said, hey, I want to send you guys back. And you go ahead and you rebuild that temple. Start rebuilding back Jerusalem and have a a wonderful time. And you know what? I will even foot the bill. I'll give you the financial backing. I'll make sure that you're taken care of. We'll send the wood. We'll send the money. We'll send workers. And, and y'all just get it done. But here, they started through. And at about uh, this time, Haggai is about 16 years after they had laid a foundation. And everything just kind of went south. Why in the world would it happen that they would go through? Now, I'll be honest with you. There's a lot of times where we just go ahead and say, well, uh, bless their hearts. They just got tired and, and they weren't able to do. But we need to persevere. We need to continue on. We need to do what God is telling us to do. There are times in our life where we, Brother Kyle, get weary in well-doing. But Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, wrote not once but twice to be not weary in well-doing. So therefore, we need to persevere, we need to continue on, we need to uh, do all that we can that God tells us to do. Here as Haggai is giving this, we've seen one of those prophets that, uh, we've seen some of them that have dated themselves. They would go ahead and they would give you a king that they were part of and during that time. And, and then some others wouldn't even do that. We would just see what the events of the day or the times that were happening, the things that were, the events of the times that were happening. And we'd be able to deduct from there where they were and where they were writing. But here in four very specific instances in the book of Haggai, he goes through and he tells you not just the year, not just the king, but he goes through and says about four different dates that he gives during this time. The word of God came to him. And thank God, as has been repeated, and I'll go ahead and repeat it once again, thank God that it is the word of the Lord. It's not just the word of man. It's not what 
people think or how they decide that they need it. To, but God has told these disciples or these uh, uh, prophets, rather, to be able to go through. And they'd been sent for a specific purpose. They'd been sent to go ahead and do this. And, and they have been allotted all of these things. And you just say, well, boy, why weren't they just doing? Well, once again, let's don't judge them too difficult. Because how many times have we got started and excited about something that our church has been doing and, and boy, we get right behind it. Or do you remember the day you got saved and you wanted to go tell everybody that you came in contact with about how wonderful Jesus Christ is, how great God is and how wonderful salvation is and the great things that God has done for you and you've been saved just for a few days and then several years later we find ourselves and have we become mundane in our Christian life? Have we decided that, boy, I really want to tell people, but it's just kind of the same old, same old now. Boy, may not the fire of God not, may it not get quenched in our souls. May we always be excited about what God has done. And here we have these people that are going through there. And the people had started that task and they had beginning to rebuild Jerusalem and the temple. And they had gotten as far as laying that uh, uh, foundation there. But they had decided that or had been distracted by the things that seemed more important. Hmm. Let me slow down a little bit when we get here. We get excited about what God's doing at the church. But then the devil says, look what needs to be done here. Look what needs to be done over there. Don't you realize that your house needs to be repainted? Why could you, you could use that time that you would be going out on summer saturation and paint your house. Now, I'll be honest with you. If you'd rather paint your house than go out on summer saturation, I'm going to pray for you. Painting is something that I loathe. It gets everywhere. It gets on your clothes that you love. Maybe you shouldn't wear the clothes you love when you're painting, maybe. But uh, but even when you don't wear it, somehow or another, it gets in the closet off of the brush and, and back into the closet on the clothes that you love anyway. It's just one of those things. But... But boy, why could, you, why could you do this? You could go do this. Or why go to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night? You could be getting this done. You could be getting that done. Here the people of God have been distracted in such a way and they've gotten so focused on the other things of life. Life began to happen. Life began to distract them. And when you look in verse number 1, look with me in chapter number 1, verse number... Actually, let's look in chapter number 1, verse number 3. It says, Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your house, or your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways." Boy, when you begin to look at that, you begin to see, by way of introduction, you see a selfish work that they had put aside the house of God. They had put aside what needed to be done at the house of God. And they decided that I need to do improvements of my own house. I need to do improvements of my own things. Now, I understand. Don't get me wrong. I understand what it is like to have to keep a house up. I understand what it is like to have to cut grass. That's why you have children. Amen. 
That's why you have children. I know what it's like to have to change the light bulbs. I wonder what it's like to have to do all of these sort of things. I understand that. But there are things at the house of God that need to be done. And God is commanding us to go ahead and get these things done. The selfish work that we have, it's anything that we put before God begins to be a selfish work. Anything that we say, it's more important than I get this done at my house than if I do it at the house of God. Now, I understand this is going to be difficult preaching and hard preaching. Everybody's going to go home and say, boy, I wish Brother Shane would go on more trips. Hallelujah. But this is real true that we get into this, that we get into this way. We get into this uh, habit of saying, boy, and I'll be honest with you, you do it one time and guess what? It's easier the next time. We get slipped off into these, I'm going to do it this time. This is the only time I'm going to do it. We'll get it taken care of and I'll get taken care of it. And then the next time something else comes up and... You know, it won't be that bad. And then we'll go through. And I understand, and I know who I'm talking to. I'm preaching to the Wednesday night crowd. I know that you're preaching to the the ones that are faithful, the ones who are here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Wednesday morning. Some of you come on Wednesday mornings. I understand that. But boy, may we not slip a little bit. Maybe we'd be reminded that we have the selfish work that we have that's in there in chapter number 1, verse number 3 through 5. But then you go through this. Look at this senseless work that they have. Look at verse number 6 and 7 with me in chapter number 1. We have sown much and bring little, bring in little. We eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages... Earneth wages to put into a bag with holes. Can anyone say amen to that one? I got to be careful going there. But boy, it seems like you just, you try to work and you try to earn and you try to earn. The more you earn, the less you take home. Thank you, Uncle Sam. The more you try to do, the more you try to work. But it, and yet, you know why they were being getting less and less and less and they were working more and more? Because they weren't honoring God with what God had given them. They weren't honoring God with what was going on in their lives. And there was a senseless work. They go, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. It's the second time in just a few verses that God has said by inspiration. And Haggai has said that by inspiration. Consider your ways. Consider what you are doing. Well, continue on, go through. But then there is in verse number 8 a superior work. What is that superior work? Look in verse number 8 with me. Go up to the mountain of Brig Wood and build the house. And I will take pleasure in it. And I will be glorified, saith the Lord. How wonderful it is for us to be able to go to the house of God. Every one of us enjoy getting to come to the house of God. I love the house of God. It's a wonderful place. It's a glorious place to be able to come to. I enjoy, I do not endure going to church. I enjoy getting to go to the house of God. I get up and I get disappointed when we don't get to go to church. Wednesdays and Sundays are my favorite days to be able to come and to worship and to be able to see the family of God and to have a great time and be able to sing the praises and I get encouraged through being able to be with you and fellowship with you and sing songs with you and hear the word of God preached to us. It's a wonderful thing. It's a great place to be a part of. I love to go to church. I'm, I'm like the psalmist as David says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. How many of us can say amen to that? But I love to go to church, and I was 
I'll be honest with you, I was drugged to church as a child. Some of us can say amen to that. I was drugged to church every time the doors open. I was drugged to church even when church service wasn't happening. And if it wasn't even at our church, if it was a church within driving distance, it seemed like we were going to that church. I was all right. I enjoy it. Now I enjoy it. Now I drag my kids to church. What goes around comes around. Hallelujah. Now we, we enjoy that. I, I'll be honest with you. It was an old-fashioned church that I got saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. You say, do you have to be saved in a church? Absolutely not. But when I was a six-year-old boy, I was the one that walked down to an old-fashioned altar and gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I was saved at an old-fashioned church. And I loved the church for that. It was an old-fashioned leather-lunged preacher that stepped into a baptismal pool at a church and baptized me. Glory to God. I'm thankful for the church, for the house of God. I was called to preach by the Almighty God into... Praise God into the family of God and, and to preach the word of God in a church. I love church so much, Brother Earl. My very first date was in church. <laughs> Some people just looked at me like, what is wrong with you? My very first date, first time I ever picked up Heather. You say, Brother Shane, really, truly? Yep. Sister Heather, my whole high school sweetheart, picked her up in my sister's car. Why'd you do that, Brother Shane? Because I drove a Mazda B2000 1978. But Mandy drove a Firebird. <laughs> you drive a Firebird, bless God, you're going to get the girl. Hallelujah. I didn't tell her for two months it wasn't mine. Amen. No, I tell you, I, I love church. It's just that much. We, we went to church in the house of God and, and, and spent time there. And, and church is where it should be a place where it should be special to every one of us. Church should be a place where we get encouraged through the Word of God and through the singing and the fellowship of the people, though church is that place, may the church be never neglected in our day. May we always be excited about what's happening in the house of God here at Harvest Baptist Tabernacle. God has put us in this place, in this season, for this time. It is for us to be able to take care of the house of God. Now, Brother Joe didn't put me up to preaching this. Pastor didn't tell me to preach this. The Holy Spirit told me to preach this. So if I get ups, you get upset with me, tell God on me. I love one old preacher. He says, well, and you could tell God on me. And if he's either going to straighten me out or you out. So just tell God on me. And that'll be a blessing. But when I think about this and I go through and you go through to chapter number 2, look at chapter number 2 with me real quickly uh, as we get through this major on the minors. Look at two, chapter number 2, verse number 3. And it says, Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? Some people even believe that Haggai was an older man, an elderly man, and he may have even been part of the captivity that was brought out of Babylon. I don't know that. I don't know for sure. But uh, there were apparently some, because some were saying that I remember what the temple used to look like. 
Now you say, well, what are you talking about? What is the temple that they're speaking of? Well, the temple of Solomon. Boy, a, t- a temple of splendor, a temple of, of grandeur. Boy, a wonderful thing. Now the temple that they were rebuilding and the temple that they were building was much smaller. It wasn't nearly as grand. It didn't have all of the great things that the temple of Solomon. Nebuchadnezzar had come through and had taken it down and had removed all of those great things that were in the temple and had, had ravaged that and then had destroyed that temple. But then those people came back and began to go through the rummage and go through the wreckage and clear off that space and laid the stones for a foundation. And they may have just gotten a little bit discouraged because this one just ain't like the old one. And I got to be real careful here because I know I've heard it and I may have even been guilty of saying it myself. Don't you remember the good old days? Don't you remember when God was really moving? Don't you remember when revivals were taking place? Don't you remember? That's what these people were saying that, boy, this temple, it's going to be nothing like the old one. Therefore, why should we even... Oh, listen to me. Why should we even try? Because it's not going to be like it was. Now, may I ask you this? Does that mean God has changed? Boy, I'm glad. I'm glad y'all know the right answers. Hallelujah. God has not changed. The dwelling place that we may have worshipped in may have changed, but God has not changed. The salvation that God has given to you has not changed. And, 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 and as we begin to look through chapter number 2, verse number 3, when it says that who is left among you that seen this all this house in its first glory, how wonderful that it was. But then look on, and how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? It's not as grandiose. It's not as wonderful. It's not going to be as great as the first one. But there's still a presence that is encouraging. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah, glory to God, that there's still a presence there. (laughs) It doesn't matter the facade of everything that's there, but as long as God is there, as long as God is in the midst of the place, as long as God is edified, as long as Jesus Christ is high and lifted up, there's going to be a wonderful time of worship in the house of God. There's a presence that's encouraging. Look at verse number 4 with me. The Bible says this, And ye now be strong, O Zerubbabel, uh, saith the Lord. And be strong, Joshua, son of Josedek, high priest. And be strong, all you people of the land, saith the Lord. And work, for I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah. Now, it may have not been the old priest, the high priest that was there, but it's not the high priest that makes the temple the temple. The government, the kingdom may have not been the same, but it's not the government. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It's not the government that causes us to worship God. And hey, and I will tell you this, that look what God, look what the man of God is addressing. He goes through and he says, hey, Zerubbabel, that's the governor. That's the government at the time. He says, be strong, thus saith the Lord. Be strong, Joshua. He's the high priest. Boy, you're talking about the government. You're talking about the church. And then he says, hey, all the people of God, be strong in the Lord. Be strong. Why? Because I am with you. Hallelujah. 
What a wonderful thought to be able to have a presence that's encouraging. Boy, uh, the Lord says, that, thus saith the Lord, or saith the Lord, as you always use twice in this very verse, and it's an encouragement to be strong amid the obstacles, amid the problems, amid the people. The Samaritans were coming along and saying, hey, uh, you just need to worry, not, not, don't worry about building that temple back because it's not going to be worth building back. Here, I want to tell you that if you do something for the Lord Jesus Christ, it's worth every bit of it. Every dime you ever spend for the Lord Jesus Christ, it's going to be worth it. Every minute that you spend serving the Lord Jesus Christ, it's going to be worth it. Every time that you think about something or doing something for the Lord Jesus Christ, it's going to be worth it. Nothing in vain. It'll be worth it after all when we cross over. You say, Brother Shane, I'm going broke trying to do things. Give it all to Jesus Christ. Brother Shane, I'm so tired because I can't do anything else. I'm burning the candles at both ends. Keep on going for the Lord Jesus Christ. Serve Him and give all that you can for the God Almighty Jesus Christ. Amen. Boy, give it all to Him. Boy, and I love how that word, that word L-O-R-D, you get through all capitals. Yahweh, talking about the self-existent one. Glory to God. Says, I don't need you, but I love you. (laughs) Hallelujah. The self-existent one, the almighty creator. Yahweh is the one that's saying, hey, I am with you. I'm the one that's going to be along for you. And and it's going to be better than any building. (laughs) Aren't you glad it's, it's not dependent upon the building that we go into? To be able to worship God. Now I love this church. I've already made it clear that I love this church. And I love the building that's here. And it is an absolute blessing. It is beautiful. Boy, God has blessed us. But we don't have to go to a building. It's better than a building when we begin to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Brother Lonnie, there's been times in my life where I have been in my prayer closet. And I have felt the presence of God. Amen. There's been times when I've been driving down the road, Brother Matt, that I have felt the presence of God. Boy, and he's just uh, encouraging me alone. Boy, there's been times that I've been sitting in that office back there and I felt the presence of God. But I thank God that I'm here behind the pulpit tonight and I feel the presence of God. I feel the Holy Spirit of God in this place. I'm so thankful that God loves us and cares for us and wants to make us all of His own. Thank God that we can worship God in spirit and the truth. But we have a better, better than a building glory to God. God says, hey, this is better than this. Be strong, saith the Lord. Be strong, saith the Lord. Be strong, saith the Lord. The presence is better than that building. Boy, we have, as a New Testament believer, we understand and we know without a shadow of a doubt that I can pray driving down the road. Now, it's better not to close your eyes while you're driving. Unless you got one of those fancy cars that drive for you. I still wouldn't suggest it. Anyway, and, and I, can, I can pray while I'm, I'm sitting there at the dinner table. Boy, one of the greatest things that Nehemiah ever taught me is that I can pray in an instant. I don't have to tell somebody, now you wait just a minute, and if I go talk to God, I can, I can get in touch with Him right then, right there. I can know without a shadow of a doubt that God is with me and He cares for me. And boy, it's better, the presence of God. I don't have to get to a certain spot, but I have the presence of God with me. And we can have the presence of God everywhere in our life. Boy, we think that is better than a building. Boy, the presence of God that is, that is encouraging is better than a building. But the presence of God that's encouraging is better in the battle. Have you ever felt alone? 
ever felt like everybody was against you? And it seemed like, by old cliche, nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to go eat some worms. <laughs> Boy, we've all been there. We've all had those days where we just thought, nobody likes me. Everybody's against me. My own mama don't even like me. Now, there's been days where I think my mama really hadn't liked me. There's been... Don't look at me like that, mama. I'm preaching, praise God. I know there's been days where my sisters ain't liked me. But here we have the fact that we get in the middle of battles and we're raging in the middle of times and we just feel like everybody's against us. Boy, everything is going wrong. Everything is a problem. Everything is an issue. But, but yet he's saying that for I am with you. Now, he is ever with us. According to Hebrews chapter number 13, verse number 5, he says, For I have said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Now, if I'm not mistaken, that's a promise that's been given to every child of God. If you're a child of God, why don't you just say amen right there? Boy, it's a wonderful thing to know, but there's battles in our lives. There's difficulties in our lives. But I love the fact that at the end of that Haggai, verse, chapter number 2, verse number 4, at the end of it, it says, For I am with you. Well, I wonder what that I is. I, I looked up that word, that Hebrew, that, or that Greek word, or, or the Hebrew word actually there. That Hebrew word that there is actually says, myself. Whew. Now see, I'm getting excited and y'all are just looking at me like, I, myself, kind of self-explanatory. But who is doing the talking? It's not just, it's not Haggai that's doing the talking and saying that I'm with you. It's not one of the other prophets that's saying, I am with you. It's not Zerubbabel, the governor that's saying, the government that's saying, I am with you. It's not Joshua, the high priest that's saying, I'm with you. It is God Almighty, the creator of this universe that says that I am with you. I myself, I haven't sent a replacement I haven't sent a rep I haven't sent a representative. I haven't sent anybody else in my place. I have come down because you are so important to me that I am so that thank God I am so important to God that He comes down Himself to take care of the things in my life. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And it says that I am with. This word's used several times in the Old Testament. I begin to look up this word and am with, what does that mean? Well, another way it's been translated before. Another way it has been translated beside. Another way it has been presented among. Another way it has been presented as or, or, or defined as about. On behalf of. Y'all starting to get it. <laughs> that means that God Almighty is with me. You say, Brother Shane, why are you so excited about a preposition as such a word as with? Because with means that he is 
among us and He is beside me and He is before me and He is above me. And one, tra- one time that they translated it this, He's on me. Glory to God, hallelujah. He's on me. He's not just with me or beside me, but He is in me. Glory to God. Thank God that He is with us every step of the way. He's with us every step of the way. He is on us. He is about us. He is before us. He is beside us. He is over the top of us. He is all around us. Glory to God. He is with each and every one of us. But then it says, saith the Lord, and then it adds a couple of words. The Lord of Hosts. In every instance that it's talking about being the Lord of hosts, there is a battle that has taken place. And you are raging in a battle whether you realize it or not. There is a spiritual warfare that has taken place in the middle of this spot right here, right in the middle of right in the middle of this sanctuary, all about the people. If God were able to open our spiritual eyes and we would be able to see the, the warfare that has taken place, it would absolutely shock us and scare us to death. But there's a spiritual warfare that's taken place. But there means that, hey, thus saith the Lord of hosts, it means that they I've got strength in this battle. I've got somebody better in this battle. I've got something greater in this battle. Glory to God, I've got the Lord of hosts on my side. Hey, I may be in the midst of a battle, but I thank God that I have Jesus Christ on my side. Then also look at verse number 5 with me. I'm hurrying, I'll hurry. Verse number 5, it says this, it's a pledge that is emphasized. So what do you mean by that, Brother Shane? According to the word that I... Covenanted, covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you. Fear ye not. In other words, what God is saying, boy, it's been a lot of years since you've come out of Egypt. There's been a lot of things that have... There's been a lot of water under the bridge or through the Red Sea, praise God. There's been a lot of things that have happened since these years. As a matter of fact, there's been through this vicious cycle that the people of Israel had gone through, the people of God had gone through, and then finally they had been taken into captivity, and now they've been released out of that uh, exile, and they're out of captivity. They're coming back to the house of God. They're coming back to the things of God. And he reminds them that I have pledged to you, and I'm going to emphasize that pledge to you. Here we can stand on the Word of God. Nothing else needs to be done. We can stand on the Word of God. We need not stand on anything else because, as the songwriter said, everything else is sinking sand. But the Word of God is true. The Word of God is settled. The Word of God is real. The Word of God is is something that we can stand on no matter what. We can take it to the bank and know that it's going to be there tomorrow. Glory to God. He's reminding, reminding of a word of that. He says that the Word that I have covenanted with you you came when you came out of Egypt. Every once in a while, we need to be reminded of what God has done for us. Sometimes we need to be reminded that God has saved us out of a devil's hell. Sometimes we need to be reminded that God has given to us a salvation so pure, so clean, so wonderful, that we could never earn it, but God has given us the grace that we need not deserve. But He's not the only God of the past. Thank God for what He's done. But He's the God of the present. (laughs) 
He's here. He's right here with us. Boy, in the middle of us, he's, he's present with us. And he always be, will be present with each and every one of us. Boy, Matthew chapter number 28, verse number 20 is one of the last things that he said to his disciples. He says, and lo, I'm with thee always and until the, even until the end of the world. And John closes it out with, amen. And brother Rick, guess what I say? Amen. Because he has been with me every step of the way. But then there's a remaining strength that we look at when we begin to see through that, that pledge that is emphasized. He says, I'm reminding you of the word that I gave to you back in the day. There was a time that I told you that I would be with you. When you came out of Egypt, I told you that I would be with you. And I am still with you. It doesn't matter what the, 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 the way of this temple is. It doesn't matter what's going on with the government that is around. But I am still with you. My word is still true. But I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to remain in a strength that you need to have. Look at the end of that verse and it says, So my spirit... Spirit remaineth among you, fear ye not. I pledge to be with you then, and I pledge to always be with you. Just as he was with them when they crossed through the Red Sea, glory to God, he's with us right now. Get a hold of that. The God that parted the Red Sea is right here in the midst of us right now. The God that was in the middle of the fiery furnace with those three Hebrew children is right here in the midst with us right now. The one that shut the bowels of that lion's den is right here with us right now. The one that sent fire for Elijah down from heaven is right here with us now. You say, Brother Shane, why is it that it doesn't work like that anymore? Why is it that things don't happen like that anymore? I can't tell you that, but I can tell you this, that God could still close the mouths of those lions and God could still walk through the midst of the fire with me and you and God could still part the Red Sea if we need to go through there, Brother Mike. And God could still send fire down from heaven if He needed to, if He wanted to. If there was a thing that needed to happen for one of His children, I guarantee you it'd be able to, He could be able to do it right now because His Spirit is with us and the remaining strength that He has given to us. Thank God that we have that, that's a, that present that we have, but a pledge that is emphasized to us. He said, I will never, ever leave you. Hallelujah. Boy, I've heard many say that, like I said before, the good old days. God's the God of the good old days. But God is the God of today as well. May we... Lord, help me. May we stop living for the God of the past. And start living... For the God of the present. And be expecting what God can do in the future. And understand that God is still saving souls. That God is still calling young men to preach the word of God. That God is still calling people to go to foreign lands. And to be able to spread the gospel all around. God has not lost not one bit, not one inkling, not little smidge of his power. He's still just as powerful as the day that he spoke the world into existence. He's still just as powerful as the day that he saved our soul. Thank God he has not lost any power. And I thank God that I have the spirit. Spirit of God within me. And glory to God, we should get excited and say, God, you are with me every step of the way. Praise the Lord that we have the Spirit of God dwelling within us. But lastly, when I get to these last few verses, 
Look at chapter number 2 with me in Haggai, chapter number 2, verse number 6 through 9. It says, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, Yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens, and the earth, and the sea, and the dry land. And I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. Not Haggai, but the Lord. I like this one. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. Boy, there's a presence that is encouraging. There's a pledge that is emphasized. But there is a promise for the eternal. You go through and you look through this, and this is not really truly talking about the temple that they're talking about. This is talking about a temple far beyond what their mortal eyes could see. God's looking down through the portals of time, and He sees another place. I begin to look through and begin to ponder the promises of God. As I begin to ponder the promises of God, Joshua chapter number 24, verse number 45 came to my mind that The promises of God will never fail. Joshua says it this way, There failed not aught any of any good thing that the Lord has spoken unto the house of Israel. All came to pass. Every promise that God made. How many of you can say that every promise that God has made has come to pass? God has never failed us. Then I begin to look on through and I begin to see what God promises He's able to do. There's a lot of people that make promises all the time, but they can't follow through. They can't hold on to it. Romans chapter number 4 says, Being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he is able also to perform. The promises that God has made, he's going to be able to perform them. I don't have to worry whether he's going to be able to do that or not. He's already promised he would. say, but Brother Shane... A lot of this, a lot of this is really talking, you're talking about the minor prophets, and a lot of this has to do with the people of Israel and Old Testament, so maybe that doesn't really pertain to us. Well, let me take you to Ephesians chapter number 3, verse number 6, and when you have time, you go ahead and look that up, and the Bible says in Ephesians 3, 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs in the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ by the gospel. So I'm pretty sure that what God has promised to us. As a matter of fact, I'm not even pretty sure. I'm positive. There's not a doubt. The Lord Jesus Christ, Brother Mike says, I'm coming again. But Joe, I, I believe that. Why? Because he's promised us. He said, Brother Charles, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. Brother Jerry, that's a promise. As a matter of fact, he says that for the Lord himself shall descend. Oh, bah, we're getting back to that no replacement, no representative. 
but I believe that the Lord is going to come and get us. That's a promise. And he's going to fall through on every one of the promises. And here God is taking the minds off of the people that says that I have promised you in the past. And what I have promised you in the past, I guarantee I will be able to fulfill it in the future. So take your minds off of your circumstances. Take your mind off of the problems that you have right now. Take your mind off of the issues, the people that are around you. And look forward to a wonderful time. Look forward to a glorious place that you have. The Lord Jesus Christ has promised us an eternal home. And we have that to look forward to. Worry not about what is going on in this world. Don't worry about the government. Don't worry about what's happening in the church. Don't worry about what's happening in your neighborhood. Don't worry about any of those things. Just worry about, hey, the Bible says, look up for your redemption. Draweth nigh, glory to God. I'm excited to know that God has promised me a place. God has promised you a place. And He will follow through. That Boy, that promise is eternal that God will never fail us. You say, well, what is he looking to? A brighter day. A brighter day. Oh, go with me. Go with me, please. Revelation. The book of Revelation. Chapter number 21. See, there's days of trials and troubles and turmoil, and, but there is a brighter day. There's soon approaching a time where the house of God is not going to be in the image of the first glory that he was talking about. He's not going to be talking about this. It's not going to be in the image of the fallen glory that he said, boy, it's not like it used to be. But look what it's going to be in verse chapter number 21, the book of Revelation. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the Glory to God. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people. And God Himself, oh glory to God, shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Look what we have to look forward to. We don't have to, boy, get our eyes off of the circumstances of this world, get our eyes off of what's happening around us right now and you look toward the glory world you look to a wonderful place called heaven and you, hey, you're going to go ahead and get excited about what God is doing for each and every one of us. Hey, I'm looking forward to that day that God has promised us an eternal home called heaven. Amen. Boy, I'm glad that God is good to us and how He has done all of these things. But I want you to look a little further. Look into chapter number 21. And I'm going to close it with this, verse number 22. And I saw no temple therein. Brother Shane, we've been talking about the house of God. Well, we don't need a temple. (laughs) We don't need to have a designated place to worship God anymore. Because where we are then... (laughs) There is nothing but peace. There is nothing but satisfaction. There is nothing but worship. There is nothing but the glory of God all around us. Glory to God. Verse number 22 says, And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. Mm. I'll be honest with you. The cares of this world, 
The cares of this world can rob us of our joy. We focus on what's going on around us. We will be doom and gloom and nothing is good. And everything is, everybody's against us. But Brother Joel, I'm looking beyond. I'm looking beyond the circumstances of today. I'm looking beyond the issues of tomorrow. I'm looking beyond what could happen tomorrow. I'm looking for a place whose builder and maker is God. Not made with hands. So what am I going to do, Brother Mike? I'm going to lay up my treasures in heaven where moth and fire rust. None of those things can corrupt it. So I'm just going to keep on looking. (laughs) Keep on looking a little further because it could be tonight. It could be before we pillow our heads tonight. It could be before I shut up. But I... Somebody got that a little late. It's all right. But thank God that we have that to look forward to. We're not looking forward to what the world's looking forward to tomorrow. I'm not looking forward to what could happen tomorrow. I'm looking forward to what happens in eternity. (laughs) Because eternity makes it worth it all. Let's stand all over the building. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this night.